Welcome fellow horror hounds and welcome to the latest episode of Talk and Stalk, your own holy home for horror. I'm your host as always, Barry, and today's podcast is going to be devoted to what I deem to be one of the greatest slasher movies of all time, and certainly one of my favourite horror movies of the 1970s, and that is Black Christmas, released in 74. Now, this is a movie I've certainly talked about in podcasts before. Uh, Black Christmas, I'll admit, I didn't actually see this film until I was about 15, 16 years old, maybe, and it's a film that certainly stuck with me. Now, you know, it's pretty much undeniable that, you know, it was the commercial success of Halloween that really kind of helped kickstart the slasher genre. Um, but predating it by four years is Black Christmas, that certainly didn't receive the, you know, the, the commercial success that Halloween did. Um, but it has certainly gone on to attain cult status and among slasher fans is widely regarded as being one of the very best of the subgenre. Um, it definitely does have an ardent fan base and deservedly so. Now, you know, Black Christmas was released really before the whole kind of slasher genre had really been kicked off. Like I said, Halloween's really kind of responsible for opening the floodgates for all of these films to follow. But Black Christmas really does kind of set the template for it. Um, it's a Canadian film, as many great slasher films from around the time period were, in fact. And uh, it really is kind of an extension on the classic urban legend of, uh, you know, the babysitter and the, the, the telephone calls are actually coming from inside the house. Um, much like Halloween, uh, this movie's emphasis is very much on suspense and atmosphere. Um, you know, it's not a movie that has a huge body count. It's not a film that um, is soaked in gore and bloodshed. This movie has a real sense of atmosphere to it, a very kind of claustrophobic aspect as well. And that's what I love this movie for. Um, now, you know, the cast in this film is great. You've got Olivia Hussey, who unfortunately, I, I feel like she's somebody that could have gone on to become a bigger star than what she was. Um, she's great in this film as the final girl, we'll call her for this. Uh, Keir Delir, who obviously starred in 2001 Space Odyssey, which actually landed him the role in this film. 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. And it was actually the director, Bob Clark's, uh, one of his favourite films. And he wanted Keir Delir for this role, for this role as Peter. Um, you know, the lead girl's uh, boyfriend who actually becomes, as the movie goes on, actually becomes a suspect. Um, you know, you've got uh, Andrew Martin in there who plays Phyllis, who is the only cast member to actually appear in the 2006 remake. Less said about that film, the better. I really don't care for it. Uh, completely and utterly unnecessary. Um, but yeah, she actually stars in the 2006 film um, as well. Now, with Black Christmas, as I said, the emphasis is very much on suspense. Um, what I love, you know, th there's plenty of POV shots in this movie, which had certainly been done before, um, but and obviously very quickly became a staple um, of, of the slasher genre. Now, I know that Bob Clark uh, doesn't actually like this film. He doesn't see this movie as a slasher movie. He actually refers to this film as a psychological horror film. Uh, you know, as I say, the slasher genre wasn't fully formed um, at this point in that. And um, I do believe in the original script, the murder scenes were supposed to be more graphic 
but they actually decided it would be more effective if they were toned down. Um, and, you know, with this movie, I think what really stands out with this film as well is the killer and the telephone calls. Black Christmas actually has what I think is probably the scariest killer to ever appear in a slasher movie. Um, there's a real kind of air of menace and mystery to this movie. You actually see very little of the killer himself. I'm kind of a less is more kind of guy. And yeah, you see very little of the killer. Um, he, he's just complete crazy. There seems to be kind of a multiple personality disorder thing going on here. The telephone calls themselves are very disturbing. Um, the killer in this movie, that's, that's what I like, the air of mystery. We never actually find out who he is. You can kind of fill in the gaps and, you know, um, you know, connect the dots together yourself through through some of the telephone calls that he makes. But he makes telephone calls um, after each murder. And uh, the murders, the murders in this film, as I said, this isn't a film that's about gore. It's about suspense. Um, you know, it is a slasher movie, but there's only actually one kind of stabbing scene in the film. And it's certainly one of the highlights of the movie, death wise as well um margot kidder who is great in this film uh the ever great margot kidder may she rest in peace uh she's definitely one of the standout characters in this film as foul-mouthed barb a, a woman with a drinking problem i do believe it was actually her insistence to actually drink real alcohol as well to actually genuinely get drunk kind of on set uh, to give it you know a level of authenticity i guess and uh, yeah her death in the movie in which, uh, very kind of Giallo-esque, in fact, where she's actually stabbed to death with a glass unicorn and nobody can hear her um, being murdered because there's, there's Christmas carol singers outside. Uh, it really is a pretty, a pretty harrowing scene. Uh, Lynn Griffin's in this film in a very small role, first victim of the movie. Um, she's actually, I believe, her reaction when she's actually killed is a genuine reaction. She weren't quite sure what's going to happen, um, but she's actually suffocated and, of course... You know, uh, she she's taken up to 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 the attic, and uh, it's, it's one of the striking images of the film, in fact, um, of her body being rocked by the killer, um, you know, and singing like a lullaby to her. Just that image of her body, you know, wrapped in the plastic that she's been killed, and uh, yeah, these long kind of lingering images um, shots on her. Um, another character that is certainly a standout to me. Now, Black Christmas is a pretty dark film. It's quite bleak, but there are injections of humour in this film. And to me, the humour works. Um, the sorority mother, Mrs. Mack, actually crops up. She appears in a few scenes and uh, the girls hide alcohol around the house for her. <laughs> and uh, there's actually a scene, the first victim played by Lynn Griffin, who actually went on to star in Curtains, which I think is a really underrated slasher movie. She had... A much larger role in that and again she was actually one of the standout characters in that movie um she goes missing of course we know as the audience her body's up in the attic and her father comes looking for her you know this very kind of straight-laced man and uh you know he hears all these stories about sororities he doesn't want the idea of you know his uh, his daughter uh you know fraternizing around with boys at the sorority house and there's actually a picture of a, a nude couple kind of getting it on um <laughs> on the door and Mrs. Mack actually does her best job to try and hide it. You know, she stands in front of it and as soon as she moves out of the way, he looks and just, just, just that expression on his face. And when her cat goes missing, 
you know, she actually, I can't recall what word she uses now, but she uses a swear word. I think it's like your damn little prick or something like that. And he just happens to come into the shot as she says it. <laughs> just just the expression on his face is, is just priceless. Uh, there's also a character in there that seems to be pretty much in there for comedy. Uh, he's kind of a deputy at the police officer. And, uh, yeah, when, when Barb and co actually go there and they're actually given the address of the sorority, and let's just say that there's kind of a funny joke with the word fellatio. He's got no idea what fellatio means, much to their uh, amusement. Um, and John Saxon, of course. Let's get on to John Saxon. John Saxon's in this film. Of course, you know, ten years later, Nightmare on Elm Street, a very established actor, in fact, John Saxon. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, you know, he was actually in Enter the Dragon, obviously the best Bruce Lee film, in my opinion, um, which was out the previous year. Now, from what I know, John Saxon uh, was actually kind of a last minute fit. He was basically a last minute replacement um, for this for this movie. Um, now, you know, getting on to the movie itself, etc. You've uh, Keir Delirs in there, as I say, who basically... You know, the movie heavily implies that he may very well be the killer towards the end of the movie. That's certainly the movie's pointing its finger at, at Keir Delir. Um Now, what I like about this film is, as I said, you actually see very little of the killer. And I do believe it was actually one of the people actually working on the movie that actually stood in for the killer. Um, I believe it was actually Albert Dunk who actually created Billy's POV shots. Uh, he basically would walk around the house mounting the camera on his shoulder. And uh, I believe he was actually standing in for Billy during many of the uh, the murder scenes and that as well. Um, there's actually a shot in this film that manages to be really creepy. And it's a shot in which we actually hear Billy's voice. And the killer's eyeball is behind the door. I believe it's in the water or something. It's just that shot on the eyeball. It's... It's really creepy. Then we get this little kind of chase sequence. And, um, of course, Keir Delir is killed, presumably, by, by the main girl, by his girlfriend. Um, but, of course, I'll get on to the ending shortly, because I actually love the ending to this film. Um, I realise it's not the original ending that was going to be used. Uh, some people didn't like the ambiguity of it. Um, I actually love it. For, for that fact. I really do like the ending um, to this movie. And um, I just love the sense of claustrophobia. It, um, it wasn't a set. It was an actual house rented for the production. That uh, actually does manage to get a lot of sightseers. You know, this is a movie that's well revered by a lot of horror fans now. Um, so it's quite a popular place for, for horror fans to, to visit. Um, I do believe also that the initial release... Um, title for this film was actually Silent Night Evil Night, not to be confused with Silent Night Deadly Night, which actually came out a whole 10 years later. Um, the telephone calls in this film are really disturbing. Um, I believe this is kind of one of the earliest mainstream horror films as well, mainstream films in general actually, to use the C word, which is widely regarded by many to be one of the most offensive words in the English language. Um, the telephone calls are really disturbing. You hear these various voices on the telephone and you just realise that the killer is seriously crazy. This is one scary killer. There's a scene in the film that I find pretty disturbing is where he's just going in this kind of maniacal rampage after making this telephone after after killing one of his victims and it just is scary. 
um, the whole fact of you're not alone as well. We as the audience know that the killer is in the house, but these girls are completely unbeknownst to it. Now, I believe the telephone calls themselves are actually uh, the voices of three different people. I believe one of the voices, um, not even Bob Clark, the director, can even remember who it was, but it was actually a female. Um, Bob Clark himself, the director, was actually... Um, he provided his voice, but I believe the main voice actor was Nick Mansusco, obviously an actor. And I think the original telephone calls as well uh, were going to be a lot more straight-laced. The vulgarity was actually added um, to cause, clearly, you know, more of a more of an impact, um, if you will. And, uh, you know, this movie as well, it's quite notable for being, I believe, obviously the first ever seasonal slasher movie. You know, Halloween, like I said, came out four years later, the Halloween period. Um, and I like the fact that Black Christmas was actually released around the Christmas period, in fact. Halloween was released around Halloween time. Um, and I also think that Malcolm McDowell was actually offered a role in this film. And he actually turned it down... Um, and very quickly regretted it because even though th this film was a moderate success this film didn't really make that much money at the box office uh, the critical reception wasn't very good um, this film uh, its reviews were not very good Roger Ebert obviously you know a film critic that really needs no introduction typically is not a horror fan and this is one of the many horror films that was pretty much kind of reviled um, by him and uh, I believe that the cast and crew, everyone got along whilst making this film as well. And uh, they were on kind of a tight budget. And a lot of the cast members were actually asked to basically wear their own, uh, wear their own clothes as well. Um, and from what I know as well, the search party scene. Now, there's actually a murder um, in this movie of a young girl that's found in the park. Now, presumably, this is the killer. We never actually see this. Um, but I believe the whole search party scene where they find this missing girl uh, was very difficult to make, actually. It was it was temperatures of like minus 12, minus 12 degrees. And it it proved to be uh, proved to be quite a challenge. And uh, the, the setting for the film as well, which I believe was a place. Uh, the setting is called Bed Belford, which is actually a homage to a classic movie. It's a Wonderful Life which is actually probably my all-time favourite Christmas movie, 1946, directed by Frank Capra. Um, it's actually a homage uh, to that. And uh, the role of Mrs. Mack, who's very much there for kind of comedy effect, if you will, the sorority. Her death as well, she actually, she's investigating the, uh, the, the cat meowing. She goes up into the attic and, of course, she gets killed via a meat hook. Um, again, we get that kind of POV and her body is up there with, with Claire Griffin's body. Um, as well and um, you know Art Hindle again in this film that went on to star just four years later in fact in Invasion of the Body Snatchers one of the best horror movie remakes out there in my opinion um, I believe that he wanted the role of Peter he wanted to have Keir Dallaire's role um, but Keir Dallaire was Bob Clark's number one choice um, but he got the role of Chris uh, Lynn's, boy Lynn's boyfriend Claire's boyfriend sorry um, I think Betty Davis, I actually read, actually turned the film down as well. Uh, originally, Bob Clark actually wanted her to play Mrs. Mack. Um, you know, this film, as I said, just a very kind of claustrophobic, creepy atmosphere to it. You know, it's not a film that's relying on cheap jump scares. It's not a movie that's relying on gore. 
Um, and I actually love the tagline to this film, which is actually, uh, if this movie doesn't, what is it? If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, then it's on too tight. I think that's great. I love, I absolutely love that tagline. And this movie proved to be, as I said, it wasn't the commercial success that Halloween was, but this movie certainly, certainly influenced a lot of films after it. The whole kind of, you know, the killer is in the house motif was also obviously adopted for 79's When a Stranger Calls, you know, directed by Fred Walton, that actually went on to direct one of my favourite 80s slasher flicks, in fact, April Fool's Day. I think it's one of the most divisive slasher flicks out there, um, but I really like it. I think it's a film that stands out from the crowd. Um, from what I understand with Black Christmas as well, I believe there was actually a novelization published in, um, I believe it was 79. Now, I've never read it, and it's very hard to get hold of now. The book is rare. Um, it's basically, you know, it's long out of print, and I believe that there were kind of expansions on some of the characters, and uh, there was a bit more plot given there, etc. Um, I'm really intrigued. I'd love to actually read it. But as I said, it's like gold dust to, to actually find now. So I think Black Christmas is a really influential film. Um, as I said, among slasher movie fans, this film is really high up there. Generally speaking, most horror fans that I know really like or love Black Christmas. Um, you know, the setting, the suspense, the fact that we get a really scary killer. Now, Michael Myers is without a doubt my favourite horror movie villain. Okay, um, you know, I love that shapeless face. Nick Nick Castle was just great as Michael Myers in the original Halloween. But I do find the killer from Black Christmas scarier for the fact of, as I said, the telephone calls, the fact that this guy is seriously crazy. I mean, Michael Myers, of course, is, you know, basically evil incarnate. This is a silent killer, um, you know, very much stalks his victims and... Yeah, the killer in Black Christmas, actually, from what I understand as well, there's a few shots that you might not pick up on. There's little bits in the movie kind of here and there where you'll see the shadow of the killer. Um, you know, he, he's stalking, stalking these girls um, in the sorority house. And, uh, you know, it's a film... Just just quickly to get onto the ending now with Black Christmas. Um, we, we, we learn that Keir Delair is not the killer. Uh, the police actually leave her in the house, which I think is kind of crazy in itself, you know, the ordeal that this girl has gone through, but whatever. Um, she's left in the house, and, uh, you know, the camera pans through the house, uh, you know, basically kind of showing all the locations, um, and then it, it, it goes upwards to the attic and the light comes on, and we realise that the killer is up there. Um, and then the telephone, it's not long after that the telephone actually starts ringing. The killer is there. And she's left alone in the house on her own, implying that she's going to die. So, you know, with the whole kind of final girl, is she a final girl? Because is she actually going to survive this? Um, we don't know. It's a very kind of ambiguous ending. And I know there's people out there that kind of feel cheated. There's some people like, well, I want to know who the killer is and all that. I love the fact that it's kind of anonymous. Um, I, I often find that it makes for more of a talking point. Um, I like the fact... Now, originally, I think she was to be killed off. I think there was actually an ending that was never actually used in which she does get killed. 
Um, I no, I, I I don't like that as much. And I just want to say that Olivia Hussey is great. She's great in this. Her screaming, the scene where she realizes that the killer is in the house, and well, she doesn't even really know that uh, they've been killed yet. She knows that the caller is in the house, and that that panic, that scream of panic. And I can fully understand there's this kind of conflict. Does she leave the house or does she go and check on her friends? They could be alive. Um, and obviously she picks up a fireplace poker. The screaming that she does in that scene certainly gives Jamie Lee Curtis Laurie Strode to run for her money, without a doubt. And I think Olivia Hussey took on this role, uh, I believe as well. Just a random little fact is she visited a psychic and it... The psychic said, basically, you need to take this role. It will help your career, blah, blah, and all that. Because I think she really got noticed and got attention for Romeo and Juliet. Um, the adaptation, which I remember actually seeing in school. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we had to watch. We had to, like, learn Shakespeare for a couple of years at secondary school and that. Um, and, of course, she went on to star in Tommy Lee Wallace's uh, It in 1990, the TV miniseries. But she's really good. She's really good in this film. And there's kind of this subplot in the film as well. Uh, she's pregnant. And she doesn't want the child. And Keir DeLeo can kind of sympathise. Um, but at the same time, it's almost kind of bullyish. There's this... Uh, he wants the child. She doesn't. And there's a scene in which he actually completely demolish, demolishes his piano. Um, also noting as well like the vast majority of films all of the characters in this film are clearly much older than the the, the people they're playing i believe Keir is you know in the film he's a high school student um but he's actually he was actually 38 years old uh, during filming i believe olivia hussey i believe she was 22 21 22 quite an age gap in fact um between them two but there's the whole kind of like subplot that again when the killer on the phone actually um remarks makes a comment it's the very same comment that Keir Delaire Peter actually comes out with and that's where you kind of think hang on a sec is he the killer but as I say the telephone calls in this film are just disturbing uh there, there's a funny scene where Margot Kidder is actually uh as well where she's talking about the uh, I believe it's the turtles uh getting it on at the zoo <laughs> Um, I absolutely love her character. She's she's a bitch, but she's kind of a likeable bitch. You can't help but like her. Um, you know, she really kind of adds some character um, to the movie. And, uh, yeah, Black Christmas, uh, definitely, without a doubt, one of the best slasher movies of all time. It's a film that certainly, I think, has an impact even now. I think for a film that's... You know, released in 74, God knows what it would have been like to have seen on the on the big screen. Um, I think that it's a film that is still efficiently scary now. Um, and, uh, yeah, and like I said, without a doubt, one of my favourite horror movies of the 1970s. And there is actually a book coming out, I believe early next year, looking forward to it, about whole kind of making of it, behind-the-scenes photos, etc., interviews so I'll, I'll certainly be buying that and uh there was of course a 20 i use remake in the loosest term possible there was a remake released at the very end of 2019 which i literally have no desire to watch whatsoever it looks terrible from what i've seen of it and uh it just looks like an mtv glossy music video 
just yeah that actually reveals who the killers are in the trailer i mean if that's not bad marketing i really don't know what is but yeah it's a blumhouse film and they've kind of ugh. i don't mind some of blumhouse's films i think blumhouse have done good, some good stuff but as of late they've seemed to have churned out some real rubbish um but yeah i don't think they had much faith in their 2019 film anyway because i didn't even know of its existence until about two months before the film came out they really didn't do much in the way of marketing for that film. So, uh, yeah, probably, probably says it all. So, yeah, the original Black Christmas, classic. I'm assuming everyone that's listened to this has seen the movie. Um, but, yeah, so uh, thanks a lot to everyone that listened. I've absolutely loved doing this, uh, talking about this movie. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back again soon to haunt you and torment you. Take care. <laughs>